Welcome to the Tiny Logic Podcast, where we have conversations with those on the front lines of the tiny house revolution. My name is Adam Garrett Clark. In 2015, I created a $300 a month housing opportunity for myself and five other friends in an off-grid tiny home community in Oakland, California. Since then, tiny homes have taken over my life. This show is for the tiny converted to talk shop and get us all housed. You can find more information about the work of Tiny Logic at tinylogic.ninja. One time I gave a tour of uh, my tiny home community to some new friends. I showed them some ducks, showed them some painted RVs, a couple solar panels, and they were very impressed. You think this place is cool? I said, you should see my friend Tim's place in Alameda. It's five times as big and exponentially more interesting. About an hour later, we showed up at what was known as the Alameda Maker Farm. It was an epic place that has since spawned three other maker spaces where off-grid permaculture, tiny home style, playfulness is happening. Um, On this random Saturday afternoon, we walked into the secret compound. We tiptoed over roaming bunnies and pigs wrestling in the mud next to chickens and ducks milling around. Uh, There were all these interesting people of all ages, deep in conversation. Some were slow cooking meat in uh, MacGyvered contraptions or slicing potatoes with salvaged fast food equipment. There was a group of computer nerds huddled around a laptop in one corner, deep in their project, too busy to even notice our amazement at these very tall llamas that were fast approaching us, looking for a snack. Uh, We walked a little further, past various weird building experiments, past a refrigerated box truck full of produce and baked goods rescued from food waste streams that Tim had set up. This is a tiny house prototype Jay Schaefer has been working on, one guy tells us. Um, Jay Schaefer, the godfather of the the modern tiny house movement. He loved that place. But my favorite part of that little spontaneous tour was when we got to the corner of the lot. We walked past a gnarl of welding equipment and sculptures. And there, with his back to us, as the sun was setting, was an old man sitting in a rocking chair, just jamming out on his harmonica playing like the sweetest melody and totally unaware that anyone was listening. I wanted to chat with Tim Anderson because he's done more tiny house experiments in the Bay Area in more places than anyone I know. He's battled or navigated code enforcement in five different municipalities to my count. And if anyone has good practical advice on how to live weird and cheap in the big city and get away with it, it's Tim Anderson. I consider Tim the Yoda of tiny house living, and I'm so glad that this conversation was recorded because he's such a creative and dynamic thinker that it's it's sometimes hard to catch all of the rich ideas and concepts that come out in real time. This is definitely the type of conversation you may want to listen to a few times to mine the insights. So buckle up, get out your Googler and your notepad. Um I could tell you that Tim co-founded one of the pioneering companies in 3D printing, Z Corp, uh, or that he is known as one of the most prolific writers on Instructables. But I think the following quote that I found online really sums up who Tim Anderson is. I was living in a student-run machine shop at MIT. It was an anarchist utopia where you could just show up and tinker. 
I was making a robot named Van Gogo that painted oil paintings. One day I was wandering the halls of MIT, picking through junk piles, and I ended up meeting people in the basement of Building 35. They were doing some research on 3D printing, and they needed an electronics guy. I said I was one. They came over to see my painting robot, and then they went their merry way. Then I had the revelation, gee, I should follow up on this, because I could do the same stuff I was doing as an artist, call myself an engineer, and get paid. That's how I spent three years as a gnome inside a 3D printer. Tim Anderson. Stay Hello, I'm, I'm Garrett Clark. I'm the patron saint of uh, tiny houses in uh, West Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been curious. I've heard that you were involved in the early days of, of uh, 3D printing technology. I don't know if you want to give us a little bit of your, your origin stories uh, what were you doing in MIT? Well, uh, make a long story short, I built a, a 3D printer company out of junk with the help of some really good, you know, really smart, hardworking people. And, um, or they might say they built a 3D, 3D printer company with the help of this crazy crackpot guy, which would be me. Um, then after that, uh, I helped um, with Instructables. I did a couple hundred instructables at the time. It was most of the, whatever. It was most of the traffic, was on my content. Wow. Because um, I had a big backlog of of projects that I needed to document and finish. And uh, now, like um, like a lot of people, I found out that the planet doesn't have infinite resources, and so like the urge to just make technology because it's cool and because I hope somebody will think I'm smart. Um, you know, then it's like, oh, let's figure out a way to live within these finite resources. Let's like, I want to learn to live in a way that I would want other people to live, you know, cause like, you know, we all, we all see others. That's our mirror of ourselves. So it's like, I'd, I'd meet a guy and he had a ponytail and I'd think to myself, gee, this guy really He's just like thinking about himself way too much. And then I realized that I had a ponytail and I, I better cut it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think you're, you're touching on your, I get a sense from, from knowing you that you have a deep commitment to sustainability and, and like you said, creating systems where people can live and, and be lighter on the land. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm curious what, how you got into tiny homes, wh- how, how that bug got a hold of you what what was the the starting point for that when did you learn about the concept of living well a uh, little homes? little background of the setting where we are we're we're at we're at my farm out in the delta you can hear these birds singing and uh we're sitting under a canopy it's uh the first is this may 1st may 2nd may 2nd yeah may 2nd and um the climate is perfect and there's no need to have a building here like people lived here for thousands and thousands, tens of thousands. Who knows? They keep pushing it back. You know how many eons people lived here, and a house to them was a canopy, and maybe a canopy bed, right? Equivalent of a a big dome tent. Mm. That's what people lived in because the climate is so fantastic. You want to be out in it. That's you know that's where life is. Mm. So, you know we're we're a transplanted culture here from, you know places with really severe seasons and so like if you're in michigan or something and you don't have some kind of plastic igloo to hide in 
you die you know there's all these things that happen in other places and we're kind of like the japanese culture like when the japanese move north they're still wearing a bathrobe and sandals and living in a paper house right and then they have to have a lot of hot tubs and they have a heater under their table and do these adaptations but it's not a it's not an arctic culture mm. right and just mm -hmm. to riff on this a little bit more go to the the uh, native american museum in dc mm -hmm. which depending on which door you go in because tribes refer to themselves in different ways. You know, it might be the Native American Museum or the American Indian Museum. Mm, mm -hmm. uh, anyway, there there was a great display on how the um, the Apaches, right, which are now, you know, about uh, down in Mexico, right, on the Mexican border, how they were an Arctic tribe. Mm. And so they speak, I don't know, what an, an Athabascan language. Mm -hmm. And they have all of these artifacts so they had this display of here are the artifacts of an Arctic tribe, and you know of of an of of an Athabascan Arctic tribe, and here's the the artifacts of the Apaches, and it's like they've got the you know the boots, the recurved bow, you know the way they cut their clothing. Turns out it works great in the Arctic and in the desert. Mm. So anyway, that's a good example of a culture moved to a new place, and it was a good fit. Whereas here we're in California, everybody's paying you know, gobloads to live out here and they're being forced to pay 400 bucks a square foot, you know, 700 bucks a square foot. To build. To, to Yeah, to, or to buy. Just, right. look, on, just look, on, look on Redfin, right? right? Price per square foot. What's the cheapest thing? Well, that's that's bait for a bidding war. Right. But that's the, that's the bottom, right? That's cost to buy. And that's, you know, cost to build kind of sets the floor of cost to buy. So affordability was a big a big reason for you to look into tiny homes to start thinking. Well, you about. don't need it, right? You know, um, it's like sleepouts. You know, there aren't a lot of bugs. <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful climate for most of the year. You don't need a roof, and for the other part, you don't need walls. Hmm. It's just a, you know. Yeah, I mean, I remember. I have a house. Well, I have a house at all. <laughs> That's no, I mean, pretty extreme. Well, yeah, yeah, that's pretty extreme, but yeah, I see your point. I remember, I remember once you told me about about trailers and how, and I think I think it kind of ties into what you're saying about about the climate, but that they are these instant, they are these existing homes, and and I was telling you about, oh yeah, why don't I get a trailer and then chop it all up and then rebuild it, and you were like, that's so stupid. You've got a house right there, and you don't need much beyond that because. Like we're in Northern California and the climate's pretty accommodating. There's so many blogs where it's like, I'm going to make myself a tiny house and live debt free. Look, I got this old trailer. Now I'm going to gut it. And that's the end of the that's the end of the <laughs> blog. That's the end of it because they gutted a trailer. And then I suppose if you got fancy, you could if you could find a, a Craigslist archive, you know, you could say like you could see their ad for gutted you know, can ham trailer <laughs> right. must sell <laughs> nearly there. Yeah. yeah. And in the meantime, they've been paying rent for their how for their their, you know, for where for their apartment and their trailer and making a god awful mess because nothing looks worse than a half destroyed trailer. And it's got all the systems in it. But poor people don't need to do this. You know, this is for the this is for the class insecure falling bourgeoisie, the pet, you know, to get into tiny homes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like a poor, a poor person will just buy an RV. Right. You know, they'll buy a, 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 a trailer. They will live in a trailer park, right? right. Yep. 
you know? And what will they do? They will buy a nice used one and it'll have all the systems. Um, they don't need to spend a year of their life paying double the rent to make some kind of shishi thing out of, you know, recycled chicken coop wood, you know, <laughs> and rusty corrugated stuff. You know, right. the reason they have to do that is because of class insecurity, right? It's, it's a it's a it's a status display. It's like no, I'm not trailer trash. I'm I'm still middle class. You know, right. I'm just like it's a little jewel box of a house. It's right. like look how fancy it is. No, I I want to do it because it's better. Right. You know. Yeah, I definitely got wrapped up in that for sure. I, well, you're very classic. You're you you're you're very class secure. You've got a great education. You got a huge social network. You got tons of skills. You know. It took me a while to get there, though. I think. But anyway, class, 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 position? class security, class position, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're, you're in the intelligentsia. Your children could be president of any country. <laughs> I mean, that's class reproduction is the essence of class, right? Uh, yeah. Right? I it's not, it's like your class is not what you, it's like the probabilities of your children ascending to some job. Right. Mm, mm. Right. And, and hereditary, like class is hereditary privilege or hereditary right. disadvantage. Right. Right. So. You know, a, a, a fail son, you know, a fail son or a bad seed here and there. That's not a that that does not dis, that does not disprove the existence of, of class as a as a mechanism. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Le, you know, leftism, left leftism. That's uh -huh. really trendy. We're going to get a. everybody wants to know about leftism. <laughs> OK, yeah. What are your <laughs> thoughts on leftism? I don't think we're going to go here. But leftism. Yeah. Oh, it's always been baloney. I looked at the history of it. Yeah. And it, it, it never meant rich versus poor. Mm. It always it was always a manipulated concept used for for for, you know, for for struggle. It was like, oh, it's the it's the lower house versus the upper house. Right. Mm. House of Commons, House of Lords. Mm. Or it was the the, you know, the rabble, you know, the the rabble of the orange garter versus the rabble of the green garter, mm. like in 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 those innumerable you know twists and turns of the of the of the toothy intestine that was the french revolution right so it's just part of this like it's always political been abstraction kind of thing yeah i mean what 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 you know what we should want it to mean in the united states now is the two humps of the wealth graph mm, right right which you know it was sort of a normal distribution at one time and then it got cheaper to whatever do labor ar arbitrage and import everything from China. Mm. And then the rich people owned Walmart and the poor people worked at Walmart. And right. Like drove on potholes, you know, past, you know, ruined factories to get there. Right. <laughs> right. And now we've got now we've got a really distinct um, two hump class system. Like you can break it down further, but you just can't look at the stats without seeing this dromedary, you know, that's like the div the, the divergence. Hmm. So th that's what I mean. That's what I want left and right to mean, you know, left and right on the income graph. Right, 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 right. But that's too, nobody wants that. You, when you, you at some point you left MIT, I'm guessing. I don't know your, your, your starting point to getting into the Bay Area. Okay. But, but, so I'm curious about that. But did that involve your awareness of of not needing a home and and just using the the beautiful climate in in the form of some 
No, I was. I think I was born really simple-minded that way. Okay. Um, like I before, like I was. Why was I able to mess, spend so much time on 3D printers back then? It was because I was living in a car on Vassar Street, you mm. know, and and it was fantastic. Vassar is that in Vassar that Street? It's on. Mass? It's in Cambridge. It's it's okay. it's a it's a like a. It's probably not indus- that industrial anymore, but it was kind of a, you know, a, a ratty street behind MIT. Okay. And when I moved out there in '91, there were like, sto- boarded up storefronts in, in in Central Square, and the the escalator at, at the T station still had wooden steps. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I I went to I went to college in Boston, and I lived I lived um I lived in Dorchester for a couple years, and uh, so I was I was very near Inman Square. But I would walk around Harvard Yard and your school. You went to Tufts, Emerson. Emerson. Yeah. Wow, that's a liberal arts school. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Very. Are ex- you a transcendentalist? Did they teach you that there? Oh, that's that's uh, Waldo Emerson is a transcendentalist. Is that right? Yeah. No. Glorious this. Oh, he's but like if you want to oh read his essays on small town government. Okay. You know he was a whatever a vaporous. He, you know, <laughs> he was a diaphanous spirit, like when it came to many things. But he had really clear things to say about, you know, town government. Yeah, that's interesting. Getting I, stuff done. I just remember that he was pretty interesting. But I also want to say that our school was named not after him, but some other guy named like John. Maybe Emerson. a microwave company, like an off-brand. Yeah, I'll have to look into Panasonic. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're just bringing me back. Okay, so you were so you were sleeping under your car in the '90s, way well, I, before van life had even become an idea in somebody's head. Yeah, nobody had ever thought of being a bum and sleeping in a <laughs> car. Then it was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I heard, I heard also they you, were still working on the equations. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you. Somebody told me once that you. I think Luke told me once that you. Um, you you would like camp out under your desk in MIT like you would sleep under your desk to just save money and be more sh- effective at getting Oh but work a- done. MIT is fantastic. Did you go to some events there I hope? Not really. Oh no. man, you should go back go back in January and go to a bunch of events. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's uh it's an um, it's a really amazing place. Yeah. Um like super re- like like these whatever prodigy misfits from all over the world mm-hmm. and a bunch of Koreans <laughs> <laughs> just normal Koreans who went to good high schools in Korea uh-huh. that's who's at MIT uh-huh. um, they think it's a party school <laughs> that's funny <laughs> uh, yeah hundreds and hundreds of clubs um, really welcoming place and if you want to work on some project you know you can sit in on classes mm. you know if you if you're curious and want to work on stuff um, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this because all, all the, <laughs> yeah, <a bunch laughs> all the misfits of the world are gonna go there. <laughs> so you, so you were tinkering, on three D printing, and then how did how did you get how did you get to the bay? Why did you come to the bay? Well, my kite surfing buddies, um, they they got their PhDs and moved out here and started started a company and recruited me and asked me what job I wanted. And I said pro bono night watchman, <laughs> and. That's and and so then I came out and I lived in their you know basically lived at their machine shop because that's what I was doing at MIT I was l- living at and facilitating this student run machine shop at MIT wow and um, you know or you know I spent I, I can't keep track of the timeline right I yeah. spent so many years living in my car yeah you know like I I 
you know, I was in Minnesota fixing cars, you know, getting them at a salvage auction and painting them and fixing them and selling them. Well, in January in Minnesota, when the snow is all chirpy, Uh you know, I was underneath a car, you know, and like on the chirpy hard snow, you know, black snow. Anyone who's from there knows about the chirpy hard black snow. Mm. And uh, I, I don't know, I dumped a bunch of like gasoline on my face and uh, gasoline really stings your face. Like it doesn't really hurt you anywhere else, but at least for me when I get gasoline on my face, which I really wish was never again, it really stings. So this like sub-zero gasoline is on my face and I've got my, you know, I'm trying to turn a wrench with my frozen fingers and I'm laying under that and 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 I thought to myself, you know, there are other places in the world. <laughs> yeah, so I so I drove out drove out to Boston and uh ended up what was going on in January in Boston was like MIT. They just had regular classes stop and they have had thousands. Yeah, I think it's th- safe to say thousands of events. Wow. You know, cuz 100 clubs can 150 clubs and a whole lot of departments can put on a lot of events so i, I kind of studied mit yeah it's a fascinating place so you didn't you it weren't actually me of japan interesting actually because like in japan everybody's really active there's tons of clubs everybody wants you to join their club and hmm. then everybody is just learning skills skills hmm. skills skills everybody's like working on their skills all the time in hmm. japan and mit's clubs clubs and skills so you 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 blossomed in that way at at mit would you say it was it was the right place it was the right place. I mean, I got there in when ninety one or something, mm-hmm. um, and this was uh, run up on the uh, Gulf War. Gulf War one, a lot of big protests going on there. Yeah, and there was a recession. Like yeah. I wanted to get a temp job. Yeah, and I was at like Manpower or Kelly filling out forms. I yeah. was there for like an hour, and their phone didn't ring. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, you know. They they were laying off their own temps, right? <laughs> so, it was a it was a it, out there. It was a ter- it was a it was a deep recession. Deck, um, digital equipment. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They just like fired like they'd gone out of business or whatever. They just fired like two thousand employees, two thousand engineers, right? Hmm. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of you know middle class incomes or yeah. upper whatever. You know, nerds never know what class they're in, but. <laughs> You know, that's that's a bunch of people with a lot of money that were supporting whole sectors of the economy that just like suddenly were broke and needed to, I guess, move west. I see. So you so you moved west, started, got in t- involved in a startup basically, and you were the night watchman as well. Oh, okay. So, okay, kids, here's how you have a career. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the you go to the you go to a depository library. This is where they have the government documents. And I'm saying this to you because, you know, if you don't have to use a computer, everything's better. So you go there and you talk to the reference librarian. She's going to be so happy to have some human talking to her (laughs) in this library and say, I want to know, I want to look at the uh, Department of Labor Statistics um, salary data for different trades and locations. And I, I had been, you know, fixing up cars, and so I, I did that, and I looked at, uh, at the time, uh, the most money you could make in the country was um, as a deal- dealer mechanics make more than self-employed mechanics. Hmm. Uh, people who paint cars made more money 
than um, people that fix them. Than people who fix cars. Wow. And uh, the highest pay for that was in Denver. Huh. Denver painting cars in Denver was the most like you know these are averages that you could make. Yeah. Wow. That was the best place to work on cars. Painting cars in Delva, Denver. And the reason for that is it's a big city in uh on the edge of the rust belt right yeah so the rust belt is well it's where all the factories got closed from whatever offshoring all our industries but it's also where they put salt on the roads uh-huh. so then the cars rust rust away so mm. there are a bunch of salt free states so you could get you could buy high mile cars with sun oxidized paint for cheap there give them a paint job and a car with a perfect body, you know, out in the, you know, somewhere where there's salt on the roads, you know, it's it's good, it, whatever. It's so that's why there was so much money painting cars because that's where the profit was. Okay. So I looked, also looked. Okay, what else do I like to do? Oh, I like to build electronic circuits. I like to program computers. What do those pay? It's like okay, well, in in um, in uh, in the Boston area. So at the time I was in St. Cloud, Minnesota. I was fixing computers with my own tools uh-huh. for five bucks an hour. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's when I had a job, you know, that paid me hours, you know, when I was doing it for myself. Because, you know, if you're not good at business, you can lose money at anything. This is in the 90s? You were fixing computers? Late 80s. Yeah, 80s, 90s. This is like, that's that's what Late Steve 80s. Jobs and, and Wozniak were doing, weren't they? Well, they weren't doing it in central Minnesota. Right. So Minnesota's got a, su- a really good educational system. Yeah. And a lot of really smart skilled hard-working people yeah and let's just say skilled hard-working people because people are smart everywhere yeah um and skilled work paid little very little there yeah. like whether you're doing it for yourself or so, for somebody else wow and then um anyway so i wanted to go to boston for other reasons yeah um and um so their skilled skilled wages there pays not paid nine bucks an hour unskilled wages paid seven bucks an hour whereas in california it was more like you know 18 for skilled and like four for unskilled right right and my theory about that is like a lot of low low wage immigration Mm -hmm. it pushes down the low you know the low the wages at the low end and also it increases the demand for managers, engineers, the other, you know, the other members of the team mm-hmm. that you need in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because the whatever the the production factors consume each other, and the scarce factor gets, you know, you know, gets more expensive. Mm. So, so okay, kids, you know, look at your job prospects, look at the wages, and look at the reg- regional different, and they've they have projections. This information's out there. You don't have to go into unbankruptable debt to try and explain to the world what Voltaire was really trying to say. <laughs> you know, it it may be a, a joyful, beautiful, wonderful thing to do, but you're going to need, you know, you're going to need to buy some insulin or something. Yeah. And that takes money. And to get that, you need a job. So I'm always curious, how did you get your financial security? Because I'm assuming you got some, and I'm assuming it had something to do with your genius around being um involved in the early uh techni- technological developments of 3D printing because you're you've been well, able the, to buy more, a lot what's of what's more land. important than that than that is that yeah. I limited my investment in crypto to okay. what I could afford to lose yeah and I did lose it 
because you know even though we know electric car you know like crypto let's just say for electric cars let's say we we have a sh it's a sure thing we guarantee we're guaranteed that electric cars are the future well that doesn't mean if you buy an electric car now it's going to be worth 10 times as much you know in 20 years no it's right. going to be worth nothing right. right yeah um so any given crypto token we now know right the chances of any one crypto token going to zero is now almost 100% right so I just happen to have the wrong crypto. And then also there are just so many. Anyway, so what you got to do is a thing called Kelly betting. Okay. This is where you, this is, this is the, like the MIT has a blackjack team and I learned it, learned it from them. Okay. Um, oh yeah, I remember. I, I read a book about the MIT blackjack team. Bringing, cool. bringing down the house. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, there was a, there was a Hollywood movie. I think they yeah. were getting punched in the face and falling in love and stuff. Who yeah. Knows? You know, yeah. they took an interesting thing and had to like, I I guess I should watch it. Yeah, and then I can try and figure out who of those characters were the ones who were supposed to be falling in love and getting punched. <laughs> oh, that you knew, you knew those guys. Yeah, yeah. They were. I mean, they you were just card show counters. up. You show up. Yeah, yeah. You learn count. Go to yeah. one of their meetings and learn card card counting. And if yeah. you liked it and were good at it, then you could go and. Are you telling me that's how you got your your wealth? No, to no, no. Be able this, to is buy land? this is how I learned about Kelly betting. Okay. Kelly betting in in blackjack is let's say you have a card counting system that gives you a two percent advantage. Yeah. Right over the house. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, what a big takeaway from this is be the house, right? <laughs> right. Right. But uh, that's a game where you where the where the advantages can be known. So right. just a simple card counting, let's say it gives you a two percent advantage. I don't know that's that might not be over the house. That might be over the other players. Yeah. So given that two percent advantage, the question is how much should you bet on each hand? Yeah. And in where they played with their system, the right number I think was seven percent. Okay. Of how of, you know you got you know you've got twenty grand so you bet um, what's what's seven percent of, of okay let's do ten grand seven percent of ten grand is seven percent of ten grand oh geez seven hundred bucks okay is that right sounds right okay kids you got to learn math so you can be <laughs> a technocrat <laughs> anyway if you if you bet less than seven percent in this with this advantage in this system. If you bet less than this amount, it takes you forever to make money. And if you bet more than that, uh, a bad hand will, no, will wipe you out. So <coughs> you. So the reason I didn't lose everything on crypto um, is because I, I did my you know simple-minded version of Kelly betting where I didn't bet money I couldn't afford to lose. Okay, but crypto wasn't around. No, no, no. Th th these uh, these these great opportunities will come up all the time. Yeah. Right. So just don't put all you know. Let's call it modern portfolio theory. Right. Okay. Just don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Right. And now I'm now I'm old. Right. I'm I'm 55 or something. Yeah. So that means uh, my my risk tolerance, my market volatility tolerance. Anyway, you just you know your sure thing is not a sure thing. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and so just you know if, if, you know you get investing is gambling and i just managed to not lose everything in a bunch of booms and crashes okay so that's the important thing is like you know because you hand somebody a million bucks they're not going to have it in 20 years you know you hand them 20 million they probably won't have it in 10 years right so for all you kids right just you know you're wondering about how you're going to get all this money, right? Yeah. Well, everybody wants to help you get rid of it. 
Right. So to not get rid of it. You know, what? and this isn't just people who get windfalls, right? Yeah. How much money does an American have, right? It's negative, right? Like they have access to $400, right? Yeah. But half of them don't have access to $400, right? Yeah. They're just living that close. They, they're they spending all the money they have, and not just all the money they have, it's all the money they can get. Yeah. Like people are listing their assets, and they're listing credit cards. No, that's the opposite of an asset. Right, right, right. Yeah. Liability. Okay, so let's fast forward. You're you're in the Bay for a bit, and you... So uh, Cliff Notes is that we know that you have tried to legalize some form of a tiny house situation. I mean, you've, you've done many different iterations in five different municipalities and that that's like the main my Let's main curious jurisdictions jurisdictions okay yep and i i came across your brilliance in uh in your oakland experiments um which some of which were your experiments well i was a part of yeah um but i i don't know like i'm curious i want to start talking about um Bellinus. i don't know where that was in the timeline now Bellinus doesn't exist there's no such thing as Belinus. Okay. There's no way to get there. <laughs> okay. Or a place in the North Bay. No. But no. But the first rule of Belinus Club <laughs> is do not talk about Belinus. Do Bolinas. not talk about Belinus. Yes. Oakland's where the fun is at. You saw Black Panther? Yeah. You saw that building that he lived in? No. I'll have to he go was back at one of those high rises by the BART station. Okay. I was seeing that and I was like, wow, what a great location. It's like. He's like 15 minutes from like so many high paying jobs. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. And at, at that time already, they'd already like, <clears throat> I don't know, like a third of the, like in that, while they were making that movie, probably a third of the black people in, in Oakland somehow got convinced to, to leave Oakland, you know, <laughs> right. expelled, right. gentrified. Right. What, 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 what or they word should we use? Displaced? Or they didn't leave. They just ended up on the streets and encampments. Yep. Like 70% of the people in encampments are black. but Black uh, men. Yeah, jeez. Being male is a good strategy if you're homeless. <laughs> I guess. Well, okay, so, so, but I'm still curious. So, okay, so you, you. You're in trouble some, now in Oakland. I am trouble. I am in trouble. <laughs> I am in trouble. And I, I met you, our, our site that is in trouble now started because of a site that got shut down with Luke. Yeah. The triangular lot um across from American Steel. And that's that's where I I ran into you started that's where I met you. Yeah. Um in a geodesic dome with a rocket stove. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and you were involved with another lot nearby that uh, which was kind of wrapped up in our in our Yeah, lot. we were highly logical. But you were trying to do I saw the I saw the the tiny home uh YouTube videos years later. I saw you zipping around in a forklift and you guys what what that video purported to say was you guys were trying to build a tiny home community. Right? Is that what what was the background of that of of Postworks in in Oakland? Uh Postworks, well, you know, everyone can look at, at fair companies. Kir, Kir, how do you say her name? Right. Kirsten Dirksen. That sounds good. She yeah. is tireless at documenting tiny houses. Yeah. And she did this great in-depth long-form, you know, tour yeah of um Luke and Heather's village. Yeah. And um, one of the things they showed her was their composting toilet. Yeah. Did they? No. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they did. Okay. They did. And um, some 
traffic analysis thing told the local news that there was pay dirt to be had, mm. and then they went and and they put their poo bucket on, and then the local newscaster said, "Oh, they had me until poo bucket," <laughs> and uh, that got a rating spike. Yeah, and then the uh, the media gold rush industry um, just pounced on it. Yeah, and um, what was the guy? Oh, some 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 journalist whose previous had been he'd made his career with the scoop that is Uncle Poodle trying to get custody of uh, Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> really? uh, he showed up. He showed up um, with no facial muscles and a and a media crew. Yeah. To uh, to to desperate to get some footage of this poo bucket. Yeah, and there so was that, nothing. Well, no, I mean that's and then he called. Um, then he called uh, to 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 make it even more spicy. He called everyone in city in Oakland City Hall, yeah, and said, uh, you know, how, what's your position on the city evicting this tiny house village? What's your position on the city evicting this? You know, yeah, you know, he spent whatever made fifty phone calls there, or had his staff of Bangaloreans or whoever do it, so that he could make his story more spicy yeah because and and i don't know what you make on a news story. You, do you know that so maybe can you make 400 grand on a news story no well, i mean they they flew this guy from you know they brought him he, out of he was hanging by his toes in some cave and they brought him out of cold storage oh he wasn't like a local reporter no 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 oh, this guy's uncle poodle and honey boo boo right that's okay. like the that's so this is like a geraldo type that's character. like a that's like a mass shooting, you know. That's yeah. that's real money there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, he probably had a salary with some news outfit. I'm guessing. I mean, what's what's his name? This guy we won't mention. Local CBS. He did the exactly the same thing to our thing in Alameda. Right. It's yeah. a great. It's a great strategy. Like if you want to like wreck somebody's project and make a few bucks on it. Right. Okay. Well, before we get into the specifics of the Adam, of the, what. <laughs> Do you have the duty to inform the public? <laughs> yes. No, I'm, I, this is actually for my. This whole podcast is for myself. This is just like answering my my own curiosity because I've never asked, I've never heard like what was in your brain when you first got involved with with the site with Luke. I'm going to reveal my secrets and it's going to destroy my life. So I hope you make some money off it. <laughs> yes, if if any money comes from this episode or anything following you will you will get a percentage. Holy cow! I'm I'm making that commitment here. Damn! In public. What 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 what, per, what percentage? Hey, oh. gay kids, this is a negotiation. <laughs> you got to learn this this skill. Now it turns out just to just to lay it out for you. Um, I only want the orange peel. Adam only wants the seeds. So we're gonna divide up this orange here, and we're gonna have to just throw the juice away. <laughs> This is from the, the the standard textbook of negotiation, getting, no, what's it called? Getting to yes. Getting to yes. Getting to yes. Oh, yeah. yeah it turns That's out in that. every negotiation you're in, it'll be just exactly like that. It's like, well, I only want the potato peels. Well, I, I only want the dirt that gets brushed off those potatoes. It's right. like, I guess we'll just throw that white nasty part away. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah that's you'll see that. You'll see that your whole life. That's, uh, I, I've been listening to the... What's his name? Chris Voss, the the uh, hostage negotiator who has a a class on on negotiations. Yeah, it's like a bit. He's like a business uh, consultant. Around Does he sell the tapes of rabbits being tortured? <laughs> no, <laughs> but he talks about he talks about black swans or things that uh, 
that the two sides don't know about elements that the two sides don't know about like the orange juice that could be beneficial if they talk enough and trade information enough they could realize oh we're talking about divvying up this orange and there's this juice that we we're going to just throw away but if we hold it and then sell it we can both split the profits of that and maybe our negotiation about the seeds and the peels lightens up huh but you have but to get to that black swan or that unknown uh piece of information that is relevant to the dis- to the negotiation you have to have communication you have to like listen and trade and ask clarifying questions to So get when to the FBI was holding all those people in as hostages in Texas and then they just decided to kill them all with flamethrowers and poison gas You're talking about Waco? Yeah. Yeah. So what would he, well, what was he doing during this? Yeah, I don't know if he was involved in that he one. He should have negotiated with the FBI. <laughs> told them not to kill 70 people. Yeah. It's like the biggest mass killing. Wasn't I think that was our biggest mass murder in the country, wasn't it? Biggest mass it's mass possible. mass killing? Yeah, that was an interesting story. Yeah. And you were at the, ti- at the time, I think that was our biggest mass killing was the the FBI doing a massacre in Texas yeah. and well, lying about it. It's interesting you bring up the the cults and the compounds because I think that is a big thing that people think about groups like or communities like the ones that you and I get involved in. No, I think is it's visceral. It's just visceral. But yeah, it's like it, a conditioned it, response. Yeah, people are like, "Oh, that that compound that That's cult. not that's not what I'm used to. It's it it's maybe it's contagious. Right. When you so go let's like go bad hair. Like bad hair, that could be lice, that could be plague, you know, <laughs> that could be bubonic plague. Right. Someone with bad hair, they're, what, you know, get away from them, don't touch them, you know? <laughs> get someone else to touch them with clubs, you know, <laughs> bury them. It's just evolution. So let's go back to, let's go back to Oakland. Uh, yeah. So tell me what, what were, what was, what was your hopes for that space? Because we know, well, we we haven't really talked about what happened to crash those dreams, in a way, but what was the what was the intention there for that space, for you personally? Well, you know, it was just like it was just the inexorable logic of logic. Yeah. Okay. Right. Which is like, I want to be in this climate. Right. It's like land costs, you know, at the time land cost forty dollars a square foot. Right. And buildings cost two hundred dollars a square foot. Right. And inside a building, it's not as nice. It's nicer to be outside. Right. Right. It's nicer to be outside than inside and it's cheaper. Oh, bing. Right. So buy buy cheaper land, raw land, and then move in structures that that, that will get the the job done. Let's go shopping. What's the cheapest place? Oh, this is the cheapest place. It's like, is it outdoors in a beautiful climate? Yes, it is. Right. Okay. And And then kids... Here's the most difficult idea to ever have. Yeah. It's the idea of actually doing a thing. Okay. Like, Can you you expand on that? Uh, So doing it and then it being different and then running up against... No, no, no. It's like, hey, somebody ought to. It's like, why don't they, you know... It's like, why don't, you know... It's, so you're saying that's it's dangerous? Like, no, I'm going to actually do it. It's like I just did it. Right, and it's that's It's like dangerous. I made the calls. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna rent your yard. Right. Yeah, Why I, is that I dangerous? Rent, what? Why are you saying that's the, dangerous? The idea of actually doing something? Yeah. It's it's because it's, it's just like the next, it's the next step, right? So 
can get okay, you into Des- trouble, right? So, so uh, was it Descartes, Cogito, Ergo Sum, right? So, like, um, logic, logic doesn't lift rocks, right? Muscles lift rocks, okay. right? And so Descartes, trying to understand the human, right? So he's got this. He didn't. Re- he really didn't want to say that the soul is the function of the body, that we're a meat machine, and that the spirit and the soul and the the character and the person that this this is all just like wobble patterns of you know some fluky wheat meat machine. No, he wants it to be like a an immortal, immutable, you know, um, what's the word? Supernatural thing right yeah outside of nature right yeah not the functions of a meat machine so um so he basically he just said it was an accident that your immortal soul would be doing the kind of the same things as your meat as your meat you know as your human house your you know mm-hmm. your your human vessel right okay going around in the material world doing material stuff and it just happens that your yeah your soul is thinking about hamburgers at the same time as your corporeal existence is thinking about hamburgers. Right. But he could never figure out how, you know, he he couldn't figure out how your soul would ever make a muscle move, right? Mm. It would just be kind of an accident. It's just like harmonious. It's just your soul is harmonious with your body and your muscles kind of move when your soul feels like it. Hmm. Whereas now we're, you know, we're all engineers. And so we... You know, if we're lucky, we take philosophic logic at the same time. Like, this is what happened to me. I was taking a, phil- a philosophy logic class at the same time. I was also taking an engineering logic class. Cool. And I was building circuits, right? Yeah. And the logic is the same, um, except engineers have no use for a syllogism. <laughs> that's <have to laughs> computer Google programmers. That. They use syllogisms. But syllogism. Okay. A syllogism is uh, all men are mortal. Socrates is a man. Therefore, Socrates is mortal, right? Okay. AKA stereotypes. Okay. AKA the inductive fallacy. Okay. Right. Well, uh, AKA I, set theory. Right. You know, you, well, you you can misconstrue it a bunch of different fun ways. Okay, but where that's were you a going syllogism. With? That's the Greeks were all hung up about syllogisms. Okay, so where were you going with the oh the engineering? Well, with engineering, logic. engineering the output the output is a voltage or a current. Yeah. It's a do or not do. It's a light bulb coming on. Right. It's a motor turning. Zero or one. Yeah. Right. So. That's engineering logic does not have the mind-body problem, right? Because in engineering, the mind is the body, right? Okay, okay. The robot does what the robot does, and and you know any any supernatural abstraction of it is optional. Okay. Right. Um, Whereas, um, so where does this get you? You're 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 sitting there in your zero gravity chair <laughs> with your goggles on <laughs> and your thing is crashed and you're just sitting there waiting for the thing to reboot and you're thinking to yourself hey i should get a hot dog stand and i can i can buy hot dogs for you know five dollars a pack and i can sell them for a dollar a piece and there's six hot dogs in a pack so i can make a dollar on each one of those hot dogs right. and i can meet people and maybe i'll fall in love with one of them and <laughs> And and I should, you know, that would be cool. And so then you think the logic. Of, that's the logic. That and then this next thing that I almost accidentally did said was Action. the next brilliant insight. The brilliant insight of actually doing it. Right. Yeah. And that gets dangerous. Well, no, it's just an additional insight. Yeah. 
the additional insight from just idle daydreams about doing something and then the actual doing of it. Yeah. And now you can live in a more daydreaming way yeah. where you just are constantly doing the experiments. Right. And then you'll find out all kinds of weird practicalities that, mm. you know, if you, you know. Anyway, just, just kids, like the idea of actually doing it. So the brilliant insight was to actually do it. Right. right? But it, you'll do it naturally. Like t a tiny house village, you will naturally do that because, you know, it's like where's the cheapest land? Oh, right. the cheapest land is raw. doesn't have an expensive building on it. Right. right? doesn't have and uh, then it's like, sewer and electrical and Yeah, water. and what do I need? Okay, well, um, I need... Uh, I don't need electrical, right? Because I can use solar panels and, and yep. battery banks. Yep. Do I need water? No. Well, well this is California, right? We're, right. Right. Water's a big issue, right? Got to save water. Well, there's no reason to poop in fresh water and right. then send it out in the bay where the exactly. sewage treatment plants don't even, you know, what does it mean to treat it? You know, right. very it little if it's raining, right. right? Yeah. Like half of it goes right in the bay. Right. So... You know, it's like no, and you know, and right, right here, Berkeley Ecology, Ecology Center. Yeah. Um, they've got this, you know, sawdust bucket system, which is perfect for yep. patho pathogen control. You know, right, right. And uses no water, so you know, you you get a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of logic, and it's like, what is the purpose of a toilet? Right. You know, yeah. It's to keep cholera out of your. Right. You know. And what are we? Yeah. What are we doing? We're trying to create a. Places for people to sleep steady eight hours a day and trying to have enough energy to charge our computers so we can learn more. Yeah, you, we don't need to send, li like, we don't need to, like, put a, th like, a third of what goes into landfills is, co is construction debris. Yeah. Right? This is, like, these houses. Like, right. they're thrown away a third. A right. third of what gets thrown away is pieces of houses. Right? And, and, and it's a lot of this nasty, toxic stuff that, you know. Right. You know, you're required to use it. Like Berkeley Transfer Station won't even take pressure-treated wood anymore. So, so actually doing it, we w it's like it's it's like the most obvious thing in the world. Yeah, is rent the cheapest land, right? And put the cheapest accommodation on it, right? And what are you trying to do? Trying to not waste water. Trying right. to not waste electricity. Trying to not you know turn things on when it's burning coal and destroying the planet somewhere else so minimum consumption sustainable practices yeah and it's logical and it's cheap it's cheaper and better yeah. you know in the order of, and it's like a, at least an order of magnitude better yeah right and then okay you want to get more people okay you snore so you snore no no people snore a lot of oh, people snore yeah yeah, yeah. you don't because right. you're really healthy no i snore Anyway, really? go ahead. I don't believe it. <laughs> you would never do such a thing. <laughs> yeah, so then you need some sleeping some sleeping enclosures yes. that are soundproof enough that Walls. one person snoring isn't going to drive other people nuts. Right, right, right. And I guess we can talk about sex. <laughs> no, 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 I don't want to talk about sex. You don't want to talk about sex? <laughs> <laughs> You're old school. <laughs> All right. Well, well, kids, someday, someday you might, you know, get a dumb idea of experimenting <laughs> with sex and then you might want a little bit of privacy while right. you're making those horrible mistakes but you but you have to you have to at some point pay for the operational costs for this and you have to create a framework of of charging people money maybe you've got some friends bunch of people you really like right and, and people put in yeah right so you of course you want them to do this too okay so that's brilliant logic just pushed you it's into this situation and you just couldn't 
resist actually actualizing this logical path. You find yourself was the first time that you did this at the Oakland site, or or was where where was the first? I've been doing flavors of this, uh, you know, my whole life. Okay, makes sense. Uh, Um, you know, and and uh, out in nerd culture, it's it's standard, right? Um, you got your, you know, if you've got your your clubhouse, your friend's house, or your your AI lab. Right. You know, the standard layout is co- sort of a courtyard. You've got a common lounge, and then you got your little cubicles around it. Ah, yeah. And um, why, if you're doing what you want, why would you stop doing what you want, right? right? And you're doing what you want there. So you do it until you can't physically twitch, and then you pass, you know, you go to sleep, and right. then you, you know. Right. Eat, okay. sleep, hack, repeat, eat, sleep, you know. Yeah. But then you run into, but that's fine because you've got institutional protection, right? You're right? At, yeah, you're at MIT, right? Kind of let you run wild, or wherever you yeah. know. You know, most places are not MIT. Most places, if you're sleeping, if you're sleeping in your grad student cubicle, you might be the only one doing it. Yeah, everyone else is out. I don't know, singing karaoke or something. Yeah, no, I heard that at at SF uh, State, they there's like a whole community of people that just sleep in the libraries these days because because of the housing crisis but anyway well you know sleep no one has ever done anything bad while asleep yeah right like who's your who is the worst villain in of history <laughs> that's a that's maybe that's a good yeah, comic pick book one. name of uh, name a villain from history <laughs> adam a villain from history a villain from history a, a bad person a, con- a commonly conceived to be bad person i know you don't like henry think kissinger bad Henry Kissinger, <laughs> that was a monster. Ball. He has incinerated innumerable infants, right? Yeah, and and told a few lies. Yeah, he didn't do any of that when he was asleep. Right, fair enough. Yeah, Henry Kissinger should have been allowed to sleep more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, but you run into the codes, the zoning, the this this framework of rules that. No, say, I don't. Well, you did. And you are right. No, no, that's only when I help people. Well, but even but even no, at you that, can, I can do it myself because I was I've been living in fear and hiding. Yeah, you know, all over the world for a long time. It's you like get, I don't naturally do stuff. Yeah, that gets me in trouble. Right. It's it's when I invite other people in. Right. right? And then they're wearing a bathrobe or hanging out their laundry. Yeah. Or just doing a different pattern, right? I've I've right. got you know I've I've been you know had cops wake me up. Right. Or you know, security guards. I've been given the whatever the the bum rush. The you move, figured out the how move to s- along how to stay the boy, under the radar. Move along from the boys in blue. I've had that plenty of times. Right. And well, not all that much because I'm a quick learner. And it's right. like, well, you know, do what you know, do what bums do. It's like go on the edges of things. Right. Sleep Be where you're not seen. Low impact. Yeah. Don't have a light. Don't have a fire. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and that's it's yeah. e- it's easy, right? Bum camped, I've bum camped all over the world. It's yeah, it's easy, right? You know, you do that. That's my pattern. But uh, you know, somebody else who thinks they have the right to do stuff, they'll get you in trouble. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because they'll they'll leave their lights on, whatever. They'll do all the stuff that got you in trouble. What sure. was that? How'd they get you in trouble? How did we get in trouble? We got in trouble because somebody called us in, which I think a is neighbor. what happened. A neighborly, a neighbor called a neighborly us neighbor. A neighbor who we were wanting the, the best, cl- the wanting closest. the best for everyone. Yeah, and we were so close to that person, and we gave them so many 
gestures of neighborly neighborness and uh they just kind of had a, a change they say in why? their mental landscape uh no no uh, not to you well i mean i i could deduce it from the way the conversations drifted to more uh like less friendly and more like you're the bad guy around kind of the upswell of of um of Black Lives Matter and the fact that I started working at a tenants rights organization and this guy is very landlord centric and uh you know saw me as the the enemy the social justice warrior why are you talking to this homeless guy on the street why are you guys like so about this uh your this whole like living low cost thing even though he's a you know he's a hippie with a van outside of his house and Oh, but he actually lives on the same street where you are. Yeah, just right next to us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, because a lot of the time, like when I got violated in Berkeley, you know, the the grapevine was that she was some new lady that had moved into an apartment building like three, four blocks away. Yeah. And had just like, I don't know, thought that poison gas from the porta potty. <laughs> I made the mistake of putting a porta potty there. What did you do in the, so Berkeley? You tried to put one. Tiny home in your backyard. You owned a house, a single family home. Nope, nope, nope. I, I bought a vacant lot in Berkeley. Okay. And um, I let, uh, and everything was fine. Like I had a yurt there. Okay. And, um, you know, I was doing my own thing there. Yeah. And then I let Henry yeah. put his shingle shack there. Okay, a little tiny home. And then I made the mistake of putting a porta potty next to it because I thought that would make people think that. Right, that the people weren't just flinging shit everywhere. From your experience in Oakland, I'm guessing, which was in Oakland, the re one of the big reasons that. Oh yeah, because of the poo bucket media frenzy. Right. Yeah, of of whatever year that was. There was also that was in 2014, and there was or 2015, the, the winter between, but there was also I heard you guys were using fish emulsion to do soil remediation, but the smell. Was what people thought it was, was all geniuses there. Port of, uh, it was all geniuses. So toys. okay, so West Oakland has um, so much lead in the dust that right. you wipe off your face. Right. That and that and that's the dirt. Like that that yard had no dirt in the yard. It just had. It was paved. Lead dust. The dirt that we scraped off that was what blew in off the air. Interesting. And that was. Fifteen hundred parts per million. Oh, okay. Don't 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 trust me on that. But yeah, in a in a in a in a shovel full of dirt. Yeah. Um. You, did you guys do a soil test? Yep. Yep. Okay. Simplysoiltesting.com. It's fantastic. Heavy oh. metal test for fifteen bucks. Send them a one pound ziploc of dirt. Oh, that's They'll in tell you uh, how much. Yeah, yeah. University of UMass Amherst raised their prices. They yeah. used to be the cheap soil oh, test. That's where I've done it. Yeah, yeah. Simply soil testing is the cheap heavy metal test. Oh, okay. I'll try. And. That. Uh, yeah, I think it was like fifteen hundred parts per million. So in a twelve pound shovel full of dirt, you can get a you know, enough lead to make a seven or nine gram nine millimeter bullet. Jeez. Like there's like bullets per shovel is how much <coughs> lead is blowing ar- in the wind in West Oakland. Right. And like the the most intense is five thousand. Five thousand right. parts per million lead. That's at um oh shoot, that place just south of the BART station. Mm. And uh and that's 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 a handful of dirt has enough lead in it to make a, a bullet, right. a nine millimeter bullet. Right, crazy. So what binds lead is phosphorus. Yeah, fish fish bone meal has has phosphorus. Right. So my buddy had a project doing that. I got a I got a whole lot of that. Yeah. 
And uh, the problem with surrounded with um, good kids and geniuses yeah. is they don't put things back. Yeah. So there's there's kind of two people, you know, there's there's two kinds of people in the world. Yeah. You know, there's the ones who grew up playing spy uh-huh. where they were snooping around in their parents' stuff and put every because they read some book about spies that spies <laughs> have to learn to put everything exactly back. Uh-huh. And then they practice that. Yeah. And it makes them really good coworkers. Yeah. Because <laughs> they put the stuff back. <laughs> right. And yeah. then there's the other people. Yeah. You know, like your tico- typical tweaker. Yeah. Right. Where they just open. You can tell when they've been there because all the doors are open. Right. Right. They just ransack it and move on and the doors are open. Nothing's closed. Right. So, you know, a, a typical gifted child who becomes a grad student, you know, and takes Adderall for a few decades. Yeah. It's kind of a tweaker. Okay. Yeah. They don't. I could see that. Right. So, so I brought these, I, I put this stuff in bags and buckets. Yeah. Right. And every time I went and looked at it again, the lid was open. Uh, Right. And there's a smell. Because some, someone forgot what was in there and decided to look again. Or they opened right. up the bag. You know, I had these I had these bags of cloth. Yeah. Like, oh, look, it's a bag of cloth. Cool. <laughs> and then this bag of cloth is like gets rained in. And it's like yeah. bag of soggy cloth. That's not nice. Right. So that's what happened. Right. And that, that, that got neighbors to call. And, that, and that's the mechanism. There was a smell. Right. There was yeah. a smell. Yeah. So, but but you're doing way being way too charitable. Okay, back to this Berkeley experience. Yes. This lady just thought that, you know, okay, well, apparently she thought that poison that uh, the the porta potty would make poison gas wow. that would hurt her blocks away. Wow. So, but but the but the way it works is she calls into into the the planning office like I did. I called into the planning office once. I wanted to know about some project that was going on. I said. They said, oh, do you want to complain? I said, no, I'm just uh, curious yeah. about it. Can you tell me about this thing? And it was like, no. It was like, but, we, but let's, let's start a complaint. Let's start a complaint process. Yeah. We, you, you want to complain? Let's, let's get that going. Yeah. Okay, wow. tell me about the address. It's like, no. You know, wow. they really want you to complain. I right. don't know why. Yeah. Well, I mean, because then they have, they have discretion, right? If they get enough complaints, it just increases their power. Yeah. Right? And this is a reform. It used to be they, out, they used to be out there just like, you know, unilaterally, you know, putting the evil eye on everything yeah. and just deciding for themselves, yeah. which they still do, especially since there are a lot of nimby snitches everywhere. Yeah. Just calling, you know, serving the evil eye. Well, this is what I really wanted to get at with this conversation is given your experiences, your your intimacy with this system, how would you rewrite it? How? How should this be changed? What should happen? Because there is, there are bad actors or people that need to be reminded. Hey, y- your fish emulsion is s- stinking up the joint. Like, put a lid on it. But does it have to be in a way where you get these crazy sets of thousands of dollars of fines and then a lien and then a warrant to come remove it and put it on your bill? Okay, kids. Get out your line notebook <laughs> and your five sharp pencils in case one of them breaks because I will now explain how to solve humans' problems. The problems of humans, I'm going to explain. With code enforcement? All the, hu- all the problems. <laughs> and if you, know, you want to you know, write, write me in as like tyrant ruler of the world, I can tell you exactly, this is exactly what policy you're going to get. Are you okay, ready? I'm giving you the tyrant magic wand right now. You are now the Here ruler of the world. Okay. Copy what works. Copy what works. Copy what works. Okay. So find some place that doesn't have this problem and copy what they're doing. Code enforcement wise. Everything. Yeah, that makes sense. Everything. Yeah. Okay. 
so that that is the answer to to redesigning but it seems like this is how it works well at least in america it's everywhere it's it's uh complaints and then they have to they're legally obligated to look into it and if they no they're not they're not legally obligated to do anything there's no law requiring them to to be used as tools in neighbor disputes right there's there's not and that's what it is it boils down to tools in in neighbor disputes because well not even neighbors right people can walk along (coughs) like 10,000 people looked into my yard there right at least right right and none of them Either they, they thought it was awesome or they didn't know where, what, what it was or they had no opinion, right? Yeah. You can have 10,000 of those, right, for 10 years or five years or whatever, right? Yeah. One person calls in, and then if they feel like doing something about it, they'll do something about it. Now, yeah. it's better for them if they get 10,000 complaints because then they can go back to their old arbitrary power thing of just doing whimsical, you know, selective enforcement, yeah. which is like having no laws at all. You know, having too many laws and selective enforcement that's arbitrary power. They can go through these books. Like Oakland, right? It's illegal to wear a mask. It's illegal to wear a mask in Oakland, right? Is it? I and, it and you're required to wear a mask in Oakland also. No, it's right there in the ordinances. You can't wear a, bo- a mask without a permit from the chief of police. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, they've got all these. All these Berkeley's got all these rules. You can't, you can't change the color of a chicken or a... <laughs> really? Or rabbit, yeah. So they... What would you like to so? Which of these problems that our desperate that our desperate young children want to solve? Well, should I th- we address? Well, I think I think some practical advice because we know that this stuff isn't going to. I was thinking bigger picture, and I th- I guess I got I got the answer. Bigger picture, how to solve this is to scour, maybe look at Scandinavia is where I would start and see. Or no, look at Manila. Texas or something. No, no, look at poor countries. Yeah. People, because people where the artists are working within the constraints of great limitations, that's where the great art comes from. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe look at a place with really great climate. The point is, like, how do you get to a place where people moving, moving by logic are able to create logical things uh even if they they contradict previously constructed rules uh, and codes. Oh, privacy. And how, how privacy. does that how does that like get privacy hashed out in, yeah, a, in a way that's not privacy? Yeah, just don't let them see it. Like if your if your if your if your existence is an abomination to them, and they don't see it, that's fine. Like the right. problem with the tiny houses, they can look through the fence. Right. Like when you do it in a warehouse. Yeah. You know then they have to do the scheduled inspection. Yeah. So there's this strange thing where your your you know your house is your castle. Yeah. But your walled city, <laughs> you know, your your yard is not a walled city. But I don't know, I think people would push back on privacy because they would be like, "All right, well you've you're doing something uh how do well, they how can't do push against, they can't push against it if they don't know about it." Like all those warehouses that we know about yeah. where people are living in tiny houses because yeah. they got rousted out of yards because they were visible. Right. Now they're in warehouses where they're not visible. Right. You know, and that's why ghost ship happened. Right? That's why ghost ship. Exactly. Why were, all those, why were all those artists and hipsters crowded into that thing? Because yeah. it's because Oakland had those 2000 vacant lots. Right. And they were every last one of them was vacant because the enforcers violated the owner with horrendous fines. Right. Unless they emptied it. Right. Right. Under the logic that. S- we say it's vacant, therefore you must vacate it. Yes, right. Oh, 
I love that logic. Wait, so yeah, I see. So you're saying privacy is the practical solution. Yeah, for you don't have now. to reform the word. You know, if you can closet yourself, you can be as gay as you want. Right. 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 Every anywhere in the world, as long as you stay closeted. Right. Yeah, that's where that's where I I like the term ninja. That's why I I put yeah get ninja get in a ghillie suit. <laughs> you know, get a nice Gore-Tex ghillie suit, yeah. just lay down anywhere. Yeah. Solved, right? And But, you know, what's frustrating is, like, they have a rule against that. Uh, you know, you can't have a fence more than six six feet. But you figured out a pretty Oakland. cool... Oakland. I, well, 42 inches and transparent. Yeah, yeah. you got to be able to the, see through it. Yeah, yeah, 42 inches, which is... That's that's your required to have a... 40, a railing is 42 inches. Okay. A At least 42 inches, right? Yeah. To keep you from falling off it. So oh. the fence is really a railing. Oh. Yeah, because that way the cops, you know, can protect you better. <laughs> but, of course, you can ask any cop yeah. about whether they are able to protect anyone or whether that's... No, they go afterward to, yeah. uh, you we'll know, yeah. clean up the mess, maybe. We'll be, we'll be there in four hours, maybe. Yeah, take pictures of the... Yeah. You figured out a way, though, to get around the fence, uh, the fence requirements by, by still creating privacy oh uh, you can grow yeah 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 you can you can grow plants right right and you can even and that's good everyone loves plants yeah and you can you can cheat by putting not you everyone know, loves animals yeah oh, you yeah. know because cain and abel you know cain grew plants he was evil you uh-huh. know abel he had animals he was loved by god uh-huh but then cain killed abel the plant grower my name's evil, Adam, but I have, control, I have no control religious... These evil control freak uh, plant growers, okay. they triumphed over the animal lovers. Okay. It's in the Bible. It's, fun to, it's, 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 it's foundational. I know. I, sh- I should really So that, this is why we, we need to hide behind plants. Yeah. Because that puts us on the, the, on the right side of these. And real quick, you cre- I, I think you did a really br- brilliant thing um, in, in one of your Oakland sites where you were able to elevate the bottom of the plant in a pot right at the basically top of the the fence line so that the stocks go even higher well the the best strategy is to be commercial don't be residential you think commercial commercials commercial commercial with privacy yeah is good because commercial is a diverse activity yeah also it's well it's not really necessary anymore because now we can just i don't know do tiktok dances and and buy everything from China so to make money. You know, survive, exactly. Yeah. So no one actually there. There don't need to be any businesses here anymore. Yeah. But uh, no, com- commercial is much better regulated. Like by better regulated, I mean the regulations are less insane. Yeah. So, you know, living in a commercial space is a good way to do it. So we're in we're in practical territory here, which is good. I think you you've learned some things about so commercial. Go commercial if you're going to try to do this. Do privacy. Get a get a high fence. So in a commercial, high like in, so Oakland, um, you know, if you don't have a fence already and you build one, yeah, forty two inches and transparent, right? That's what's got to be. And yeah. believe it or not, this comes from a book called Defensible Space. Huh. Now, when you're looking for defensible space, yeah, there are other things also called defensible space, that, like fire fire protection. Yeah, planners don't read books. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. they don't know there's already a book called Defensible Space about the effects of uh, architecture on behavior. Okay. So, but Oakland has, they have some 
some of their rules are based on the pseudoscience from the defensible space, some of which is completely true, even though it's, you know, the science is bad. The conclusions, some of them are right. Mm. It's things like have no more than 20 people using an entryway, right. have an elevated porch, right. set things up so the building s seems to be looking at the sidewalk, basically to take to all the people who live in the air and make them feel like they should be there. And any newcomers are feeling like somebody should ask them why they're there. Huh. And you don't have a diffusion of responsibility, whatever. You try and have a it's a it's a it's like a feng shui architectural zone defense. Gotcha. Where you don't have these edges and eddies and things that that collect ne'er do wells. Interesting. Yeah. So that's that's defensible space. And one of the things is they noticed that um, in place that in places with low crime there are low fences. Huh. So of course if they get rid of all the fences then there will be no crime. What's the logic behind that? The low, f why? Well, because places with low crime, they have low fences. You know, in their logic, oh, it's because oh, it must be because people in those houses are staring at the street and are like yelling at troublemakers and telling them to go away. Oh, they can see what's going on better outside. Yeah, that's okay, that's the theory. Actually, in places where there's no crime, people don't bother with a fence, right? Right. Because they don't know of anybody who's been harmed who could have been less harmed with a fence, right? Right. So they don't. Whereas if you read the actual book a little bit more, yeah. it says that in places where you do not have eyes on the street, yeah. you want a high physical barrier. So in the mm -hmm. alley, which is like everywhere at 3 a.m., yeah. there's nobody there, right? Yeah. So to really comply with defensible space doctrine for fences, yeah. you should have it like with hydraulic cylinders yeah. to raise and lower it. So it's a 42-inch friendly railing yeah. during the day, and then it's a like an embassy wall at night. Yeah, that's defensible spring. And that's so if you get it, if you spend enough time at the planning counter at Oakland, yeah, they'll eventually pull out their guideline book, which is not code, right? Yeah. So they also have guidelines that they use to evaluate your thing, and mm. that's that's just something I guess they have a little team spirit. Hmm. Yes, man, festival where they get their favorite Xeroxes from architecture school mm -hmm. and and make a bunch of guidelines that they don't say, you know, we don't, looking online for our, getting our permits for whatever, we don't see that, right? But that's what they use to evaluate it. So there they say, you know, and, it, and it's, it, you know, fences are a really big deal because us, we want to, we want to get on free, on we want to get on, you know, raw land yeah. and be good for the planet. Yeah. And, one way to get away with that is to not make people have to see it, right? Yeah. Because uh, they don't know the difference between poor people and sustainability. Right. It turns out poor people who can't afford a lot of resources are sustainable. Also do, yeah, also do, you know, less resource intensive stuff. Right. You know, so um, anyway, so that's, you can ask for those and look at it. And there about fences, it says that the fence should not draw attention to itself. It should be, you know, consistent with the character of the neighborhood. You know, it should, uh, you know, it should be 42 inches. You know, it should do none of the functions that we actually need a fence right. for. And, like, go look at a police department. What kind of fence do they have? Right, if they right, thought right. low fences reduced <laughs> crime, maybe they'd get rid of their, <laughs> you know, their green zone barriers around themselves. Right. 
Do you do you want to get into some of the the horror stories that you've had to deal with just for for folks that are considering this stuff? What like what's the wor- I feel like you've experienced some of these worst case scenarios. Like in my mind, the fa- what what I understand to have happened in Oakland, where you were basically told, "Hey, you can't do what you were planning to do with this land that you now own, and you're paying a mortgage on," uh, and you had to sit on that for a couple of years. Uh, well, are you talking about cognitive dissonance? from I might be <laughs> uh, injustice <laughs> and illogic yeah I, I mean I'm talking about like not just like the 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 pain of of trying to do something that you're that you're passionate about that's logical like you said and being forced to stop but also the financial burden that that put on you um, I don't know if you want to oh well explore I mean, that I mean being a kid being a kid yeah. being a kid is a nightmare yeah you know that's what you're. That's do you what have you would a, do say you have you're a, I mean, I don't know how vivid or how detailed your memories of being a kid are. Yeah. But being a kid is a nightmare. Because you're trying to do stuff and you're always being told, "No, you can't do that. Stop doing that." And then they tell you a reason, and it's baloney. It's right. Like, right. Right. And it's a really good preparation for life. That's yeah. It's a great. You point. know, just all day long you're being told to do stuff. Yeah. And then the log- the the reason might some of it might be good, but the reasons you're told are baloney. Right. Right. Right, especially yeah. when you when you have the deep knowledge that you have, yeah, you've no, done yeah, the research. Even when you're a bratty kid, you know. You don't need <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like first principles. Whether your whether your ideas as a kid are good or bad, you know, you're still be you still get the same treatment. You're you're yeah. told to do a bunch of stuff, right? And there's no, but but as a as an adult kid that that I think you're pointing to that you are, which I think is great. You have, you can go, hey, like look at the look at the science behind composting or look at the science behind fencing it, there's no mechanism to to go to these these authorities and say like you know have a court of law or something and a, a trial and, and present well, the, the mechanism facts. Is, the mechanism is showing up showing up showing up like in occupy right 2011 like we're yelling at city hall yeah turns out the city hall was having a meeting already uh-huh you know it's like and it's open to the public, and they have velvet chairs. Right, and nobody. And they up. have like telecasters, so you can see really whatever. They have the monitors, so you can see. Right. It's like what we're trying to say things to this government, and there's already this nobody's showing up to that thing. You know, and yeah. they've got the velvet chairs. Right. And they want us to be there, and maybe they aren't going to do anything about it. But anyway, it's like it's like there's no there's no substitute for showing up. That's right? true. Like, what is town government? Town government is the most democratic possible thing. It can't get any more democratic than that. Right. Right. It's like who makes these decisions, right? And who is influenced, right? A, a council, you know, they get paid nothing. Yeah. Right. I yeah. The, yeah you're bringing a, up a, a five hundred dollars for a city council campaign is a huge amount of money. Yeah. And then who? And then it's governed by acclamation. It's like. It goes until 3 a.m. because all these people, you know, there's so much public comment. Yeah. And the friends of the library show up with all their matching T-shirts de- demanding that they be allowed to put a slightly larger sign on their library than the fi- than the signage ordinance allows. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they make a whole cause out of that, and they go to three or four council meetings, and eventually they are allowed to put up the sign on their library that says library right that's a little bit bigger than the than the than the vaping shop is allowed to have i see your point you're saying you're saying i think <coughs> i'm hearing you say like 
you know, you can walk around saying you're smarter than these idiots who are pushing these stupid codes on you, but did you go for a couple years and, and organize with a bunch of other people to push changes, to push law changes? And if you well, didn't do that... Well, and not just laws, because what the law is is very unimportant here. Yeah. Like, you know, there's there's plenty of laws, you know. There's all these federal laws, federal decisions, give us the rights to do everything we're doing. Right? Yeah. And those rights are only as good as our lawyer. Right. That and was a, what I wanted. Yeah. And that's the lawyer who gets you those learned. rights is very expensive. And a good one will tell you that. Like right. when, I don't know, when I was outraged and I wanted justice, when I talked to lawyers, you know, there were the young, idealistic, ignorant ones who said, oh, let's have, a, you know, you know, it was a lot of fun having our legal hackathons and reading the codes and stuff. Yeah. But without, but without Lexis and the, you know, the settlement history or whatever it is that hopefully you can get. Right. Like, like. <clears throat> you can't even find out which of those things were already invalidated by court cases. Mm. Like, and Oakland does nothing but lose and settle cases. Right. Because a lawyer won't take the gig unless it's free money, right? Is That's there... one reason they're so terrified of lawyers. Yeah. It's because they've never seen a lawyer who wasn't on, you know, <laughs> who wasn't going to win. Because so the lawyer won't take the gig otherwise. So is there a path where you where you go, like, let me invest in this in these $300 an hour legal fees because I'm going to get a settlement from Oakland that'll pay for that and and the losses of of dealing with this situation to begin with? Well, there are mechanisms. There's, you know, Kui Tam, there's color of law. Like the if you look, the FBI has a color of law, you know, office. They are tasked with, you know, smacking it to officials who abuse their power and like misconstrue the law. Interesting. Um, they're all these, they're all, they're things, but again, you know, there's, there's, there aren't that many of them. Yeah. So, but I mean, what, what really, you know, you go to city hall, you get your 20, you know, you get your, you get a bunch of people to go to city hall, yeah. go to the city council meetings. Yeah. You know, you are what's there. Yeah. Right. You are what's there. You are what's being talked about, you know, well, and that's they're already there saying all the same buzzwords that you got that we got all brainwashed. We got brainwashed with the trendy buzzwords that everybody is saying, right? And so we go up there and we say trendy buzzwords and they say trendy buzzwords and it's <laughs> a, like a it's a love festival of trendy buzzwords. Well, you you're bringing up this point that I think is is interesting to talk about, which is like you s you mentioned that like city governments are very democratic and I guess in theory zoning uh, Specifically I said they are as democratic as anything can be. Right. Like, how are you going to make something more democratic than a bunch of, you know, poorly paid elected people where it only costs them a thousand bucks or something to get elected? It definitely doesn't. And they're running these trillion dollars. Like, they're managing trillions in assets. Yeah. It's crazy. It doesn't feel democratic from my Not to us. vantage point. Yeah. No, but you realize that they've got a 60% like NIMBY constituency there. That's where I was going is like. Yeah. Yeah, they are representing. If it was more democratic, we'd we'd lose even more. And then the fancy twist is the artificial scarcity of shelter makes the the craving, you know, the desperation to have a tiny house even more intense. So yeah. the opportunity to have this struggle at all is created by these conditions. It's like yeah, this is not like people in Manila are not watching tiny house shows on TV. They're allowed to have a tiny house. Right. Right. Right, right. Yeah, third world countries like there isn't. They get to do it. It's natural. They think it's insane. Right. And it is. And it is. But the you know there are incentives. Incentives. 
our 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 real estate backed financial system. Right, 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 right. You know, right, right, right. you know the difference between in California about whether you retire or not is did you buy some real estate early enough? Right. And did you get it? You know, matters a little whether you bought it in a boom or a crash. Right. But mostly, what matters is how long ago you had it. Right. 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 And there's so many people that are locked out of that. I mean, as a pedicab driver, I mean. I was lucky to have a dad who had a a, jo- a job that could hold a mortgage or could qualify for a mortgage. But as a pedicab driver, you can't do that just on your own. No, and you have to team up with people. You have to team up with like people. Like the sector yeah. investment is valid even if you're getting it in the form of an REIT, right? Right. Then the problem with any REIT, is you, which is a real estate investment fund, it's an investment vehicle that is supposed to do what real estate does. Yeah. You can't live in it. Right. Right, so right, if right. you're if you know it costs you double if you're paying to live in one place but you know paying rent here and trying to hedge that right. somewhere else. So and then the mechanisms of doing a group buy. Yeah. Like in Japan now you can buy tiny little pieces of real estate, uh-huh. right? Cuz they they already went through this. So speaking of copy what works, yeah. let's copy Japan. Okay. Tell me more. Well, they had their you know, million dollar apartment phase in in the nineties. Okay. And then they had their bubble, yeah. bubble and crash. And then they had after that, you know, the the the, the scarcity industry lost its power and its money, uh-huh. and they did a bunch of sweeping reforms, which is upper level code. Right? Okay. It's national zoning code. Yeah. On a uh, whatever scale of nuisance. Okay. I think is how they how they do it. So you are allowed to live in a high nuisance area if you want, uh-huh. but. Um, Towns can't stop someone from building apartment buildings. Uh. So, um, so you can build and bu- you can you know they they s- they solved it. Like housing's cheap in 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 Tokyo now. It's cheap. I heard even that you can get paid to take ownership to take stewardship of a of a like a dilapidated home in some parts of rural Japan, I want to say. Like, they will pay you to come out and just kind of steward. Go on YouTube and watch the documentaries. There there are a lot of documentaries about how happy these, you know, foreigners are that they move to Japanese villages and are doing, yeah. you know, some little business there. If I wasn't wrapped up in what's going on here in Oakland, that's where I would be. Yeah, you, you know, it turns out when you have low population growth and a lot of capital, that drives up the value of humans, mm. <laughs> right? Mm. That's been a big question. Yeah, how do you how do you make human existence valuable? It seems like it's not, and getting less valuable all the time for certain people. Yeah, human capital. Uh, where are we? Have we solved it all yet? I think. Well, yeah. Well, there's. It's getting kind of windy. How's the wind noise? It sounds decent. I think. I think we've gotten there. Um. Do you have other final thoughts around I did I mean there was we don't have to get into it but you had some really good stuff before we started recording about what's going on in the delta you do you are at the moment dealing nope, with No nope, no nothing's everything is fine Okay everything's <laughs> great okay. <laughs> Um okay you kids don't get a tiny house Don't get a t- Don't get a tiny house it's a kick me sign it's an albatross you know if you're going to get a camper and strip it, just keep, just use it. You know, yellow, get some yellow foam and some, and some colorful paint and just use it as it is. And don't worry about black mold. You know, there's only like three colors of mold and there's about 10 million different kinds of mold. You know, you can, don't, whatever. Don't you're, you're not being sarcastic? You're no, I'm being totally, t- you know, like, yeah. 
Yeah, tiny houses are they're terrible. Tiny homes meaning wood framed, expensive, six meaning these exotic jewel box projects that people never finish that cost a tremendous amount of. Yeah. And then it's a NIMBY magnet. Yeah. You know, it's. You don't think you don't think that there's a future where go on where homes are built like cars, they cost like ten thousand dollars. You can get them on a payment you like a car. You talking about this RV park next to me here? Yeah, but they're built but they're built with with better permanent materials, thicker insulation, and then there's a a ton of parks and places kind of like around places around here in the Delta where you can park it for you cheaper. Want it to be cheap. L- yeah. Affo- like you don't housing want it to be, to be a store of value? No. You don't want it to be a speculative instrument driven up driven by artificial scarcity? No. I think I think that is the part of the, a big part of the problem. Housing should be for housing and uh don't wrap it up with investment uh wealth storage. Okay. Well, I am happy to take the other side of that argument. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're you you don't well, the well, first question is do you think that that's a world that we could get to? Yeah, with a with is a, like it possible? a I think you can walk. Can you walk there? You can walk there from here. Yeah, okay. Um but you don't think that that's I mean, a world we should kids, walk. These kids these kids are like living everywhere in the well. Okay, so kids, look for pictures of tiny houses. Watch all these tiny, you know, next time you're on an airplane flying somewhere to Instagram your food. Yeah. Uh, uh look watch all those tiny house shows on the on the airplane TV. Right. Where are these tiny houses? They're out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Right. When you see tiny houses in backyards or even in front yards, yeah, then it'll be safe for you because yeah. you know you don't have capital. You've got labor. You need to be in a hot job market in order to get a decent return on your labor. Right. You need to minimize your your expenses so that you can save it. Right. Then you can start being a capitalist once you have some capital. Right. Till you have capital, you're labor. Right. And so you need to get a better return on your labor, and you do that where labor is scarce. One reason labor is scarce is a place where housing is extremely expensive because it's artificially scarce. Right. You need, you know, a bunch of friends in a warehouse where you can hide. Right. You need to... You know, whatever. Just don't get yourself a tiny house. That's an albatross. Sleep in your car, you know? Yeah. Sleep in a van. Yeah. 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 Just like don't 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 overconsume this, you know. It's like if maybe you got raised in the wrong kind of skinner box and you can't poop unless it's like your personal toilet. <laughs> maybe you can't sleep unless it's your own specific thing and you've got to have the whatever, all this stuff. Like people do get trained that way. Yeah. They get addicted to these conditioned what are they, the conditioned stimuli for basic human functions. You can get crippled by all this stuff, right? Yeah. And then there you are spending 30 grand on this tiny house, right? Yeah. Or even worse, building it yourself in which case it costs you 100 grand cuz it takes all your time. Yeah. And paying for a place to put it. <clears throat> no, just exist. But just you 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 really you I remember once you told me everybody should get in at a tiny home and then oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, we'll, force, we'll force this oh, yeah, exactly. world to exist that you talked about of okay. they're in they're in uh, front yards and side yards and it's safe. Okay. Like everyone. how do we force safety for tiny homes for practical housing in uh, To Lima. paraphrase Jesus. Yeah. Those who do not have a tiny house go and get one. <laughs> everyone must get a tiny house, right? <laughs> now Okay, and then we'll have a bunch of people who care enough, right? Once they all get violated, 
Yeah. Then they'll care enough to go to the city council meetings. Right. Right. You know? right, right, right. Until then, you know, it's just one at a time. You know. Yeah. And we've seen this, right? Yeah. As soon as their needs are met, met, they go into some kind of a coma. Right. Right. Yeah, because because like we become we politically on. useless, right? It's like a non-violated tiny house is not a political, right? Not a political anything. And I mean that's been the story of our community is we we stayed under the radar. We we kind of felt like we weren't gonna get violated. We weren't gonna get asked to leave. And you know I I've been involved politically a little bit, but I haven't gone to every city council meeting and been talking about this every every month. Yeah, so but th- now that we are, now we're being told to leave. Now we're 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 at risk. Now we're trying to get political. Now we're trying to look up when the next city council meeting is and try to show up. Which yeah, I the think worse is it is, the days. better it is. Who said that? <laughs> Tim Anderson. <laughs> Every guerrilla leader. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I I have more clarity, but I'm also a little confused about where you stand on tiny homes. But that's. That's fine. We are fundamentally opposed. <laughs> this is a, this is now a debate. We podcast. must destroy each other with superior <laughs> arguments. Are you ready? Next time, tune in next time to see Adam and I destroy each other with jagged, ghastly logic. <laughs> All right. To be continued. Stay tuned. If you've got ADU or tiny home questions. Give me a shout at tinylogic.ninja.